Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. My name is Maureen Brown, and it's a privilege to bring this Thanksgiving message to you this morning. Um, love that way we were led into this time. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. We sang about God with us. We sang about his faithfulness. Thank you, Tyler and the worship team for leading us. And that way I feel like I've heard from the Lord already this morning. So um, I know that Thanksgiving can be a favorite holiday for some. But I also realize that some this morning may be here, both in the room and online, and this Thanksgiving is a little harder than normal. For whatever your circumstances are, could be the first Thanksgiving with the loss of a loved one, it could be many, many things that bring you to this place in, in that way. I'm just praying this morning that we will have an opportunity to lift our eyes to what God is doing, then in that, he will meet us in whatever our circumstances are. And we will leave with thankful, grateful, praising hearts. Psalm 107, verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. There's one reason to be thankful. His love endures forever. I'm thankful for his love. I'm thankful for his mercy and for his grace. And I'm thankful for the beauty of creation. And come on, let's talk about this fall. The trees and the weather, that's just something to be thankful for. It's been an amazing fall. But I'm also thankful for the little things that happen along the way that maybe surprise you, for people and for gifts of generosity in circumstances. So I'm going to tell you a quick little story before we begin. It's, it's a September long weekend. It's Saturday. Elmer and I, Elmer's my husband, for those of you that don't know us, Elmer and I are on our way back from the lake. We're towing a boat on a boat trailer. So we get going a little ways to come home. We're supposed to meet our kids in the city Saturday night for an event or an activity. Um, and all of a sudden, Elmer pulls over really quickly, and I smell the smell of burnt rubber, and we have blown a tire on the boat trailer. Now, for those of you... <laughs> That went right to your mind. Oh my goodness, did the prop drop and drag in the pavement? No, the prop was fine. Elmer got the boat over quick enough. However, if you know Elmer, I'm going to tell you a little bit. Often I talk about my kids. Well, today it's going to be about Elmer. If you know, <laughs> um, I didn't clear it all with him, but most of it. So if you know him, you know that one of his gifts is, or one of his passions is, if he can find someone at the side of the road that needs help, it makes his day. In his truck, he has a toolbox. I'm not kidding, a toolbox. He had to remove the back seat of the truck to get a toolbox in there because he just likes to be prepared to help everyone. Now, the interesting thing about this day, Elmer had to leave some of the tools at, uh, at the lake for someone to do a job there. So when we pull over, not only does he not have what he needs to change the tire on the trailer, he doesn't have the right stuff, it fit the truck but didn't fit the truck, he left his, what I've learned now is really important, a ratchet set. So we're, hot, we're on the side of where Elmer's working now. As he's working to try and change the tire, this is another thing <laughs> about Elmer. He's usually really, really calm. I could tell there was some frustration growing 
as he's trying to get those bolts off that hadn't been off for a long, long time. And people are driving by, and it's hot, and it's people are driving by. All of a sudden, this red van pulls up. This red van, and I go over to the van, and there's a lady in there, and Elmer yells. He didn't say this, but I could hear it in the undertone. I'm not proud. Ask whoever it is if they have a ratchet set. So I say to Jolyn, who pulled over, um, Jolyn, do you happen to... She said, she said um, hey, are you okay? Do you need some help? What a beautiful thing to say. And I said, you know what, we're okay, but do you happen to have a ratchet set? I don't, she said. If my friend was with me, we would have one, but I don't have a ratchet set. And I said to her, oh, thank you so much for pulling over. We'll be fine. We, thanks for pulling over. I had no idea if we'd be fine or not, but we, you need to go now. We'll be fine. So we go back, and there's Elmer working, a little bit of frustration growing. Then about 10 to 15 minutes later, a red van comes from the other direction. I thought, it's something about red vans. But what it is, is I go up there, and it's Jo Lynn again. And she says to us, or to me, I've got help coming for you. I said, really, really? I've been in trouble before. I know how hard it is, and people have helped me, and I've got help coming for you. And I'm going, wow, are you for real? You've got help coming for us. Pretty soon, another big truck comes and pulls right in the ditch beside us, and we met two of our best friends in the world, Merv and Lorna. 85 and 83, <laughs> Merv gets out of his truck and he says, you need some help? He's got every tool. He's like an Elmer in a few years. He got every tool in the back of his truck. But by this time, Elmer had discovered, oh no, the spare's flat. So we thought, even when we can change it, the spare's flat. So he said, oh, thanks so much, but you know, our spare is flat. Merv, our buddy, says, that's okay, I brought a portable air compressor. <laughs> Seriously. So we sat and had the best visit with Merv and Lorna. Now, we were way late for our activity with our kids, but we phoned them and we said or texted them and said, hey, it's okay. We are with our best friends for life, Merv and Lorna. They actually invited us to their place. They said we could leave our boat there if there was trouble. I'm sure we could have had a sleepover if we'd wanted. <laughs> So I am thankful for those little generous things that people do. That fits with Thanksgiving. It also fits with the Good Samaritan that they just pulled over and helped us. And so today, we are going to talk about people caring for each other, sharing with each other in a way that goes beyond our human nature. And God and the Holy Spirit prompt us in this way. Will you pray with me as we start? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for each person in this room. Lord, I pray that this morning on this Thanksgiving Sunday, you would open our hearts and our minds to what you want to show us, Lord. Lord, we know that you're working all the time, even when we don't see it. So this morning, Lord, I just pray that we would see a glimpse of you and that the world would grow a little dimmer this morning and we would see more of you and that we would be able to praise you this morning in this sanctuary. Lord, the things of me, will they be the things that fall away? But Lord, the things of you, we want to hold on to. We love you, Lord, and I pray these things in your name. Amen. So we are studying the New Testament book of Acts as a church. And every time I have a passage that I need to study for, to preach, I just, I just go, this is my favorite passage. I think what it means is that just when you spend time in God's Word, it comes alive and it becomes your favorite passage. So, um, the book of Acts is a highlight reel 
of the early church in the earliest days. We've been in the book of Acts since September 18th. Pastor Kevin and Pastor Reg have taken us to the place where we are today in Acts 2. But because it's Thanksgiving and we have our elementary-aged kids, I see them all over sanctuary. Can you guys wave at me, kids? I usually say, yeah, look at that. We've got lots of kids here. I love that. I thought it would be good on this Thanksgiving Sunday to have some elementary-aged children give us a review of where we are in the story. So kids and everybody, look up here. So this is where we are in the story. God made a perfect world. People messed it up, but God had a plan to rescue them. He sent his son, Jesus, to save everybody. So we could be with him. And to save us, Jesus had to beat death. After he did that, he went to heaven. But first he told his friends, the disciples, to wait. Because he was going to send them a gift, the Holy Spirit. So they waited. Even when there was a giant party going on outside, which was called Pentecost, with people from all over the world. The disciples stayed together inside, waiting. <sighs> Suddenly there was a loud noise, like a really strong wind. It must have been pretty loud, because lots of people came to see what was going on. Then fire came down from heaven and landed on top of people's heads. This wasn't like the fire we're used to. It didn't burn them. This fire was way cooler. See what we did there? The disciples started speaking different languages. Languages they didn't even know or hadn't until then. They spoke Greek, Hebrew, Arabic, all sorts of languages. It was a miracle. A lot of people were amazed. Some were a little confused. And some didn't know what to think. But the disciples knew it was a special day. A guy named Peter spoke up. He reminded the crowd of who Jesus was. And God's rescue plan for them. And lots and lots and lots of people believed. Anyone who believes in Jesus has the Holy Spirit. I believe. 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 God had given them the Holy Spirit. And we can have the Holy Spirit too. But that's not the end of the story. I love kids can make the gospel so plain and true, and that's where we are today. The Holy Spirit had fallen on believers, and as the children said in the video, people heard the gospel in their own language. And the Bible tells us they were amazed and perplexed. And they asked the question, what does this mean? And so last week we heard from verse 14 that Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and he said these words, fellow Jews and all of you who are in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And then he preached the gospel to the crowd. He told them what Jesus had done for them, that he had died for their sins and rose again, saying, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So keep in mind, the Holy Spirit was alive and well as they were hearing this. And it says, people heard this and they were cut to the heart. And they asked the question, what should we do? And Peter said, this is what you need to do. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And the Bible tells us that 3,000 people 
left their Jewish faith behind and trusted in Christ for their forgiveness of sins. So we just need to imagine what that was like for those 3,000 people. All of a sudden, over the course of a sermon, the movement and nudging of the Holy Spirit, you have left the religion of your forefathers, your heritage, your life identity all behind for a new identity, an identity in Jesus, because you have had an encounter with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the truth of the gospel message. You're following Jesus now as a fulfillment of the Jewish Messiah in a new covenant. You're baptized. So I kind of imagine, I always like to put myself in the story, I wonder if they came out of the water after they had done that and they said, now what do we do? Today's text answers that question. It answers a question for them, but I also believe it answers a question for us. So in response to the possible question many may have had, what should we do? Will you turn with me to Acts 2 in your Bible, and it'll be up on the screen, 42 to 47. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Verse 41 starts with, they devoted themselves. Devoted. The Greek word for devoted here is proskartario. Pros or proskartario. That definition is to be devoted, to be steadfast, to persevere and not faint, to persist obstinately. So that's what they did as they devoted. So we're told that Luke... uh, by Luke, that this early church, when they were looking and wondering what to do, when things were rapidly changing in their culture and their lives around them, perhaps much like ours today, they centered on a few basic things and latched onto them. They persevered in them. They persisted obstinately in them. You know, we often hear that the early church was radical, and we hear people long for our modern churches to return to the passion and simplicity of the early church. But here's the secret to this radical early church. They were just radically devoted to a few important critical rhythms necessary for a Christian life and a Christ-following church. When I have taught this to kids before, we do it as a rap. And so I would always get someone to come up with and bring a beat. Now, We're on live stream, and I'm not going to do a beat because I can't do that. But I know there's some in the crowd that can, and I haven't asked anyone, so I won't ask them. But do you know what I mean when I say a beat, kids? Do you know what I mean when someone gives a beat for a rap? No. Oh, someone said no. Is there anybody that knows how to do a beat that could just do a beat out there? Okay, I'm not going to, I know there are, but I'm not. So it's kind of a beat that you'd rap. And here's what we did as kids. All the kids look this way. We're going to do it together with a beat. So imagine, it was amazing when we did it with the kids. Okay, <laughs> the kids were, they studied, 
Can you go like this, everybody's kids? They studied and they shared. They ate, prayed, and cared. They studied and they shared. They ate, prayed, and cared. They studied and they shared. They ate, prayed, and cared. Ooh, good. Way to go, Vanessa. She did it. So imagine that with a beat. Do that at home. Get one of your parents to do a beat. That's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. See, the apostles' teaching. Can you imagine? In those early days of the church, the apostles, they just repeated what Jesus had told them. That's what they did. Jesus had been their rabbi, and they became the rabbi for others. They told of what they had seen, about the death, resurrection, the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit, which they were experiencing, and what they'd been taught. And all the new converts to Christ were understandably hungry for them. Hungry to learn. You know, when I was a new believer in my early 20s, I remember that feeling of being hungry to learn and wanting to learn and going to every discipleship class I could and, and just learning as many things as I could about the Bible. In those early days, I mean, Elmer had grown up with, in early days of marriage, he'd grown up with those Bible stories. I even, we had such great conversations as I would ask him questions too. Since then, I've done a lot of different things to learn more, but at that time, I remember he taught me a song, and some of you might know this song, On Our Way to Work, when we were first married, and it was the books of the Bible. He told me that that song actually helped him pass an exam on the first day of Bible school. So for some of you that are uh, maybe my age or older, do you remember a song that would go, Come, little children, join to tell the books of the Bible we love so well? Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers. Okay, there is no heads nodding. Okay, maybe it was just a thing. But anyway, all the books of the Bible we learned together, and I loved that, that time I was learning. So the early church gathered around the apostles, and they persisted, and they said, teach us, tell us about Jesus. What was he like? What did he say? They might have said things like, tell us about the parables, about the lost sheep. Tell us about the parable of the sower. Peter, tell us about when he walked on water. Or maybe Thomas, tell us about what it was like the moment you touched his hands. Maybe they said, let's go, let's go to Isaiah where all that prophecy was done, where he, he said that a child would be born, a son would be given, and he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, because they were living it now. So they were absolutely devoted to the teaching, the Word. You know, when I look at myself now, and over the course of the past few years, I do have to ask myself the question, am I absolutely devoted to the study of the Word? And if I'm honest, I will say I'm really devoted when times are tough. Then I really dig in. But when times aren't, aren't as tough, sometimes I can take things for granted. And as I, I prepared for this, I was convicted of that for myself. So Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, it says... Go and make disciples of all nations, and we want to make disciples here as a church, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. So we want to learn, we want to be devoted, but we want to teach. Two, they were devoted to fellowship. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. Koinonia is defined as spiritual togetherness. Intimate spiritual community, sharing in a common spiritual commitment. They were they were devoted to gathering together. I realized that during COVID, our gatherings were hindered. 
I mean, there was times when we couldn't. But I, it is so important for us to gather in community. In Hebrews 10, it says, don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. We need to gather together, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The early church, they figured this out. These Jews, they actually couldn't go back to their old communities. Can you imagine that? They couldn't go back. They had embraced a Messiah that others had rejected, and so they had to form new communities with these Jesus followers. One of our discipleship steps is create community. We need to create that community with others. Third thing, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. And a question you might ask is, does the breaking of bread refer specifically to the Lord's Supper, to communion, or more generally to a shared meal? Well, most commentaries and theologians would say it's actually both. It's both. In 1 Corinthians 11, it suggests that the Lord's Supper was celebrated as a part of regular meals all the time in the early church. And lastly, in 42, but for sure not least, they were devoted to prayer. The early church persisted in prayer. Now, it's Peter that's talking to them now, but later on in in Acts, we go to Paul when the gospel is taken to the Gentiles. And when Paul wrote letters to the churches, he highlighted prayer in all of his letters. To the church at Thessalonica, he said, pray continually, giving thanks in all circumstances. To the church at Ephesus, he said, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. To the church at Philippi, he said, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Many in our congregation have been participating in prayer triads. If you would like to pray with people, I encourage you to sign up. If you are not used to praying out loud or praying with people, I encourage you to sign up. It's a great way to learn and a great way to pray together. But passages 42 to 47 are also filled with something that's really important. Because we can have those four things and we can almost get legalistic about those four things we do, but the important thing is the attitude in which they devoted to these things. So much about attitude in there. Verse 43 says they were filled with awe. Do you know the Greek word for awe is deos and it's a feeling of fear and reverence. Verse 44 said they they had an attitude of unity. They wanted to be unified. And 45 says they had an attitude of generosity. They sold property and gave to anyone who had need. I need to say here, though, this is not a biblical endorsement of socialism or communism. This was voluntary generosity because the Spirit was moving in them. We don't see this occurring through government channels, through taxation or redistribution. That's not what's happening here. This is a free choice by the people of the early church to voluntarily take care of one another. You know, Elmer and I have been the recipient of many times of people's generosity, and we've also been nudged by the Holy Spirit to give to someone. I remember a time in our church in Foam Lake. This would happen often, but two particular times. One gal stood up and said, I want to thank whoever paid for my car to be fixed at the garage, because I didn't know how I was going to do that. She happened to be a single mother. Another time I remember someone standing up and said, I want to thank whoever paid my child's tuition at Bible school. Again, it was a different gal, but another family that was struggling to pay for it. Someone had done that, and they had done it anonymously. So generosity. Verse 46 says they had an attitude of joyfulness and thankful, because it says they had glad and sincere hearts. 
So we hear these things that they were devoted to, and we may wonder, how do we respond? How do we respond as a church? Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 6 says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I'd like to invite the worship band to come up as I close. Because... I want to draw our attention to the last two verses again. I think there is something really important for us here. At least they stood out to me as I prepared and studied. That's verse 46, but especially verse 47. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So now especially verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. First, they were praising God. They were praising God. You might think if all the commotion, they could be tempted to praise the apostles or praise themselves or say, look at us, we got 3,000 people coming to our church now. Or even they might have praised their own generosity. Look how good we are. But that's not what they did. Verse 47 says they praised God. Praise the God of glory. Praise the majesty. Praise the King of kings. That's who they praised. They praised God. And the second phrase is the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added. I think Luke wants us to be crystal clear here that God is behind the movement. So here at Forest Grove Community Church, we are to devote ourselves to the study of the word, to gathering together, to the Lord's table and to prayer with glad and sincere hearts. And we want to respond to the work of the Holy Spirit. We want to join God in what he is doing. Keep our eyes on Jesus and praise God for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. God promised to build his church. So I'm not sure where you are today on this Thanksgiving Sunday, as I mentioned at the beginning, but I pray that you can find a way to praise God in whatever circumstance you are in. And when you ask the question, now what? I pray that you can trust he will carry you, he will lead you, he will guide you, he will comfort you. And this morning, if you'd like to pray with someone about those things, there'll be some of us here up at the front after the service, and we would love to pray with you and for you. Will you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I just thank you for um, the early church. I thank you for what it teaches us. I thank you for the, the, just how we can persist and obstinately persist for those things ourselves too. Lord, will you give us that, that desire even more and more? And Lord, when, when we get apathetic in that, Lord, I just pray that we're drawn back to you. And Lord, in all of the things, even the hard things that we go through, 
hard things that we go through individually, hard things we go through as a church, that, Lord, we truly would praise you in those circumstances for who you are, for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you will do. Thank you, Lord, for this day, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.